formidable beast, the grizzly. As strong as an ox, fast as a horse, quick as a cat. No animal but man can challenge him. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Wild and Crazy Nights. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hogan for the win. Put in another corner. We're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. The most important piece is we're going to take the north and never give it back. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogan. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from the Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Flus? And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in Hogue and Johns with you. Johnsy, I'm uh I'm I'm fighting my way through this day and that White Sox loss last night. But um, I'm here and I'm ready to talk football and not think about baseball. <laughs> you have that resilience uh, yes. that Ryan Poles is apparently looking for. Good for you. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm shooting up draft boards, getting through what we lived through last Only night. Only in your own house, I guess. Uh, oh, I will say, my wife knew right away <laughs> that the second that Grand Slam was hit, she's like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> she knows me too well. She knows me too well. Uh, anyway, hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody enjoyed Mother's Day. And we have a fun episode for you today. So welcome in. Jam Yes, we got adult. I don't know how many podcasts we've had multiple guests on. We've done it a few times. Um, but back to back, still... Going through uh, the aftermath of the NFL draft, and uh, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue at Adam Johns. You can read Johnsy on the Athletic, theathletic.com/slash Hogan Johns, where you can also read both of our guests on today's episode. I am at allchgo.com. My weekly Bears things column is up today. Some uh, stuff on all three phases that the Bears have going on: offense, defense, special teams. After. Rookie minicamp and um, and you or special teams, yeah. Well, I threw it in there. You know, yeah, you got to give course, it equal attention. It's the third phase. I get it. Yeah, it's equal important. attention. You know, they did draft. Whoa, 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 whoa! Your your guy, the fish man, did a whole freaking story on special teams. I did. He did. I did. He did. Yes, correct. Yeah, I'm so, just kidding. Special teams is very important. Oh, so now it's nothing important changes the momentum did. in a game like a like a f- muff punt. Nothing. Right. Trust me, especially at the high school level, you know, <laughs> that, that's just what you're trying to avoid. It's like just get through the game without a catastrophe. happening. Yes. OK. Yes. Hashtag bear special teams. Uh, all right. Well, here's what we got going on for you. Uh, Bruce Feldman, one of the best college football reporters Legend. out there. Uh, he's on the sidelines. I got a chance to you know run into him on the sidelines a bunch of times when he would have Northwestern games. And some of those Big Ten games, Big Ten championship games, things like that. He's a great guy, too. And, um, and we thought, you know, he's got his freak list. He knows everything there is to know about these guys that get drafted. So we thought he'd be a perfect guest to bring on after the draft to talk about some of these Bears picks that he knows pretty well. Um, so we got him on. And then Nate Tice, who... Are we sure? Did, what? That he's on? Nate? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. He's been ducking us now for months, yeah, it feels like. Yeah, we don't know. Bruce yeah. is confirmed. Nate, eh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Nate, uh, he's questionable. Busy man. Yeah. Uh, he's not full time at the Athletic. He is. So he's too good for us. But uh, no, I think we did sneak him on today's episode. Nate Tice talked a little bit about the quarterbacks. And, you know, his guy, 
Justin Fields, of course. So a lot of good stuff in this episode. So let's do this. Let's jump right in with Bruce Feldman, one of the best college football reporters out there. Here he is, Bruce Feldman. Joining us now, Bruce Feldman. You can see him on Fox during the college football season and, of course, read his awesome content on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Follow him on Twitter at Bruce Feldman CFB. Bruce, it's awesome having you on the podcast today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. I, I really like, uh, I love talking drafts, so it's good to kind of see who went where. <laughs> All right, well, let's start at the top with the two players the Bears took in the secondary in the second round with Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. What can you tell us about these two defensive backs? Yeah, I think at, at at various points, people in football thought both guys could be first-round players, especially Kyler Gordon. I mean, his old coach at Washington, Jimmy Lake, who had been in the NFL, and Jimmy Lake is as good a DB coach as there is in college football, um, and he's been around a lot of big-time players. And you can look at, you know, whether it's Buda Baker or, you know, a bunch of different guys who've gone on to have good NFL careers. And he said Kyler Gordon is probably the most athletic guy he's ever had. I mean, that's a big statement. He has kind of a funky background. He was, you know, did Kung Fu when he was younger, dance background, just super flexible kid. Um, both cornerbacks, they were really good. I think it was kind of pick them, you know, depending on McDuffie versus Kyler. But I think he's a guy who's going to be a really good NFL cornerback, especially I think so much crazy stuff was going on around the Washington program really the last year and it kind of engulfed it. I think it was hard for for somebody like that, probably just to kind of to sustain it in that. But I think he's a really talented kid. I think that's a that's a good value where they got him. As far as Brisker, you know, Brisker, it, Penn State had a really good secondary, and I think he's a dynamic athlete. I know sometimes people look at safeties and like, okay, you know, there's not as much of a premium on them. But I think he's a really explosive kid. I could see him having a impact right away. I think he can do a lot for teams. I think he was really well coached back there and he played against a lot of really good receivers in the big 10. So I think, I think that's a, that, those are really good picks that they took when they got those guys. I love your annual freaks list that you come out every year with, uh, on, on the athletic and Brisker's on there. Gordon's on there. And there's another guy in Dominique Robinson. I'm curious what you could tell us about him as he comes from Miami, Ohio former quarterback turned receiver. Now he's a former receiver turned defensive end, came back there for his fifth year of eligibility. What do you know about Dominique Robinson and like getting on that freaks list? What do these yeah. guys like bring to the table? Yeah. I mean, you saw the vertical jump is, is through the roof for a guy who's a edge guy to be in the 40, you know, 41 inch range is, is pretty remarkable. And so all those numbers, the guys I know at, at Miami, Ohio really raved about him. What was interesting to me was I did a draft confidential story from talking to NFL coaches and scouts I know the week leading into the draft. And I asked one of the guys who I've known for like 15 years, I was like, who do you think is the biggest sleeper in this draft? And he loved this kid. And he said, uh, what you have in him, he said, a lot of times when you get a guy who may be super athletic as an offense, as a receiver, and then they they flip-flop over defenses, how physical is he going to be? You know, maybe, you know, you see the athleticism, you see the burst, but is there kind of an edge to him? And he goes, I totally see it with this kid. He said, I think he is going to continue to get better and better and better. And I wouldn't have been surprised if he went in the early third round just because of somebody taking a chance 
you know, there's certain guy edge guys who are like people are looking about upside and you're talking about what kind of he's pretty rare athletically. And if he has the toughness, the fact that he played quarterback, you know, he has a little more awareness probably than than a lot of other guys. I think that he was able to transition from different positions. Um, you know, I, I was surprised he lasted as long as he did, quite frankly. What type of vibe did you get maybe before and after the senior bowl where he goes down there, plays better competition and really seemed to cement himself as at least a day three pick for, for some teams. Yeah. I think people knew in scouting circles, Ooh, this guy is, is a freaky athlete. I don't think they realized in terms of just how good of a football player he is and can be. I think that was kind of like, wow, you got an interesting piece of clay here. And it's also, you know, there was a lot of guys in this in this draft, edge guys, where I think they had, you know, either a guy had really good film or they had great length or they had great explosiveness or they were just kind of a high motor guy. But there weren't that many guys where you'd say, OK, this guy is checking off all the boxes. And I think in this case, you have a guy with, you know, elite athleticism. And I think he's intriguing because you're saying, okay, he hasn't played that much defense, but what he did do, he seems like he's responded really well and he's got, he's got um, an edge to him, which again, for offensive guys, that is the biggest concern. And his, I think he's checked off the boxes for football people. So now it's like, okay, how quickly can he learn a system and, and fill into a role that we're going to expect him to come in and be a difference maker on third downs? So going back to Gordon and Brisker real quick, what was it about them that got on the freaks list? Uh, in the case of, of, of Gordon, you're talking about a guy who's like a 42, 43 inch vertical jump guy. But also, like I said, when Jimmy Lake says he's the most athletic defensive back I've ever had. I mean, that is a huge statement to make. I mean, Jimmy Lake has been around so many elite uh, players, especially in the secondary, that that alone pretty much carried him there. Um, in Brisker, you, you know, we've had a bunch of Penn state guys on there, whether it's Mike Kosicki or Saquon Barkley or Owe, you know, a year ago, who was an amazing, you know, who went to the Ravens. And I think this guy is another one. And usually those Penn state guys, the crazy thing with them is as eye popping as the numbers are, you know, we see what Micah Parsons, you know, does and has done, but they go to the workouts and the combine and they back it up. And I think in Brisker, you know, again, it, yeah. People look at that team, and I think it's been up and down. Two years ago in the pandemic, there is no Micah Parsons. He doesn't play. Journey Brown, who is arguably the most talented running back in the country, right before the season, he get, he has to retire because of health issues unrelated to COVID. And that kind of gutted their locker room. You know, just really was hard for them. And then this year, I feel like it was an up and down year where, uh, you know, so sometimes got somebody like that, I think if – if they were at, you know, in a, as a top 10 team, I think there's just more eyeballs on them and a little bit and maybe kind of gets lost in the shovel and I, shuffle. And I think that's just kind of what happened with Brisker to some degree. The Bears only took one receiver, despite it being kind of a, a major need going into the draft. So like a lot of eyes, maybe unfairly, are on Valus Jones Jr. a little bit. And I know you saw him a little bit more out there on the West Coast. So for like a player to become the special teams player of the year, you know, in the Pac-12, and then become the special teams player of the year in the SEC. Like, what are the Bears getting at returner and then potentially at receiver in Valus Jones Jr., in your opinion? Yeah, they're definitely getting an elite return guy. Um, I remember, like, so T. Martin was one of the guys who helped get him to USC. T. Martin's, 
you know, everybody remembers, you know, him leading Tennessee to a championship. And now he's an assistant coach with the Ravens, but he's from Mobile. That's the area where Bellis Jones is from. He's not a small kid. I mean, he's, he's pretty sturdy. I don't want to say he's going to be like Debo. Now that's going to be the hot thing. You heard that with Trey Burks. You've seen people throw that around, you know, even, um, you know, last year the Giants took a kind of a, I don't know, an X factor guy who it's like, we'll scheme ways to get him the ball because maybe he's not a polished route runner. Like, you know, what you saw with Tony, I think in Velas Jones, you saw him go from one system at USC where it was like, how many ways can we get him the ball? And you also, when he was at USC, you got to remember they had some real studs out there. He was competing for time. It was Pittman. It was Amon Ross, St. Brown, Tyler Vaughn's was a really good player, you know, and then obviously Drake London was coming up in the case of, you know, he goes to Tennessee, it's a more wide open offense. You know, it has elements of that old Baylor offense, which, you know, it's not traditional routes, but I think it's, again, a guy with really good with the ball in his hands, really explosive. I don't, I'm not saying, you know, we've seen these receivers who kind of become de facto running backs. You know, I don't think that's necessarily going to be him, but I think he's a guy who could be really a developmental guy and he will help you immediately on special teams. Yeah, and it sounds like that's kind of the plan of what the Bears are talking about using him for. Um, another guy they got in the seventh round that I know you have some background on is Elijah Hicks, another safety. And, you know, it's interesting. A lot of times when you take a defensive back or really any position in the late rounds, um, you know, you might just be taking a flyer on him. But, you know, I've already heard that they're really surprised that he didn't get more pre-draft publicity or hype and i know he was dealing with an injury during all that um but for him to still be available in the seventh round i know the bears were were you know over the moon about that what do you know about hicks yeah i saw a couple of years ago i going into the i think it was the 20 coming out of 2019 season i did a big story for the athletic on ashton davis who was the other safety there and he ended up going to the jets and ashton had a really fascinating story but I got to spend a lot of time with his best friends there and his best friends were Cam Bynum, who's now in the NFL and also Elijah, who's, who's obviously now the bears took. And those guys are awesome kids. I remember spending time at, um, at Elijah shared a place with Cam and they would just sit there on Saturday nights and they would watch NFL film that they got or all 22 that they're, that their position coach, Gerald Alexander, who had left there eventually and went to the, went to the Dolphins as a DB coach. And they just really were students of the game. And they just devoured everything they could find on it. Really mature kids, um, great off the field. Elijah's done a lot of really awesome work to help uh, disadvantaged youth, you know, people with all sorts of challenges, especially in the pandemic. Um, you know, the people at Cal could not stop raving about both him and Cam, especially character wise. And so when you watched him on the field, especially, you know, Cam was a guy who ended up, he played corner. He's really smart. He was, he was a smooth athlete. I don't think he was like a wow athlete. Like Ashton was a legit big time track guy. Cam wasn't that, but it was like, okay, they've really been coached well. They're really football savvy guys. I think they're all really probably safeties at heart because of how they see the game. I think Elijah is definitely that he can be physical. He's a Southern California kid who, um, you know, could have gone pretty much anywhere, but ended up wanting to play for Cal. And I think he really bought in 
you know, and I think he was well coached. I could see him having a really long career in the NFL because he's really smart. He is a good athlete. He's not a wow guy, but he's just a really, really smart, mature player. And, you know, those guys usually have find you know, are able to stick because they will find a way to be a real asset asset in the locker room. And I think he'll be that. I mean, he is a good athlete. As you said, he was banged up a bunch, um, but he was really, really productive player and had a really good career there for a while on teams that, you know, that didn't have the best supporting cast, but in the secondary, they were really good and he was really well coached. Bruce, one more question just about maybe the draft in general and what the, the Bears did. I feel like, at least in Chicago, there's debate about what Ryan Poles did, at least on day two, going from six picks total all the way to 11 by trading back several times on day three. Just in terms of maybe deepness, whether it's offensive line, running backs, maybe the lack of options on day three at receiver, what do you think the Bears accomplished? Like, What do you think of their draft overall, the first one, under Ryan Poles. I really like it in the secondary because I think they got three guys who will end up being key contributors and play for a while there. The The wild card to me is a two small school offensive linemen. They're both athletic. They both, you know, one Southern Utah, the other one Southern. I will see how it works out with them because, you know, if you get guys who end up being developmental guys and they can compete for starting jobs in maybe 2024, 2023, where you get them, that's a big deal. Like, I think, um, you know, when you get somebody like Dominique in the fifth round, that I think he can he can be a guy who you can do a lot with, not just rush the quarterback, but maybe drop into coverage. Obviously, as a receiver, there's, some, there's a unique skill set that he's bringing. I think that's definitely a really good gamble. Um, you know, it, it's a really interesting draft because if you told me that we were watching on Sunday nights – you know, a lot of Vellis Jones highlights over the fall. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you know, USC people thought he was like the fastest guy they had and one of the most dynamic athletes in the program. It was just like, can he put it all together? And like, there's just a bunch of really interesting players in terms of you have, as you mentioned, a bunch of freaks guys. Vellis Jones definitely could have been on my freaks list. And I think that, you know, you want to bet on, a couple of things you want to bet on athletes on the development side. And I think you want to bet on if you can, the character guys. And you, I look at some of the guys they got, especially Elijah getting him where they got him. I think that, you know, I think those are good gambles to make. That's awesome insight, Bruce. We appreciate it. Uh, and of course our, our listeners should be following you on Twitter at Bruce Feldman CFB. You do a great job on Fox and uh, all the stuff you write for the athletics. So we appreciate you jumping on today. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks guys. Always. Thank you, Bruce. It. All right. See you guys. Interesting little nugget there. I thought that last uh, answer from Bruce, he kind of likes Valus Jones Jr. You could tell. Yeah, I think the Bears really like Valus Jones Jr. Of, of course they do. They drafted him, but usually you get, I think you brought this up a couple podcasts ago. You get a feeling mm-hmm. about the the projection the team has for him, the right. the value they, they have almost immediately for him. And I think it's higher than Bears Twitter wants to give the Bears credit for him just in terms of what they think they can get out of Valus Jones Jr. this year, starting, starting this year, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he's clearly in the mix early. Um, I'm interested to hear what Nate Tice has to say about him too, since he comes, you know, from an offensive background and 
uh, has seen him play to in college. And really, that's what this podcast is all about. Getting You've heard everything we have to say about these guys. So getting uh, insight from bro, both Bruce Feldman and Nate Tice. So without further ado, are we sure we got him? Are we sure? Okay. Yep. A thumbs up. I, I, th- I, think we, I think we do. Here's Nate Tice. All right, time now to welcome Nate Tice back to the podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Nate underscore Tice. He's now full-time at The Athletic and much, much harder to book now. It's unbelievable. What's up, Nate? <laughs> How are you doing? I know. Uh, all of a sudden becoming official. My, you know, When you're running for a Substack and you're your own boss, it's kind of nice. It's like, I'm not going to do anything this week. I'll just do a podcast and hang out the rest of the week. But now it's like, oh, no, this whole thing called scheduling. <laughs> and actually staying on that schedule. Yeah, uh, my uh, podcast time really dwindled. And so I, I feel good that I'm finally back on the show. It's not as exciting as the post-draft show last year after the Justin Fields talk, right. but, you know, selection. So, you know, a little less than that. But, yeah, good to be on, good to be full-time. All those Slack messages. I, oh, I, I know, I, I know. My I tab, know. my new ta- the tabs have to be open now. What I've bookmarked has completely changed. I had to redo all my bookmarks so I could open the Slack, open WordPress up. It's like, oh man, I feel I feel official. Yes, well, I was going to say congratulations. Well, welcome, welcome to our lives. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, so I want to start with this, you because you live in Las Vegas. What yes. was it like having the draft there? It was good. Um, I, I always avoid the strip anyways. Most locals do. So how I could tell something's going on, well, one, my wife works on the strip, so maybe that's one indicator. But we had our Airbnb to do our draft show with Dane and Robert Mays, Dane Brugler and Robert Mays. It's about 20 minutes. There's never really traffic here. Like, it's not too bad. Like, traffic is, like, kind of more like slow down. You never get that kind of locked traffic unless there's an accident. And no, no, no crap. That's why there is traffic because there's usually an accident. But um, <laughs> like what should have been 20 minutes took me about 45. And that was like, what was my first indicator? I was like, oh my God, there's people here. Like actually like a whole glut of people. And there's like 450,000 or 500,000 people came into town, which is just ridiculous. Wow. And also the, the Super Bowl is the corporate event. The draft is the fan event, you know? So how you can tell really is the hotel rates. So like the, the high end casinos, like the, the win and everything stayed about the same, you know, the Bellagio stayed about the same, but all those kind of mid-level casinos, the circus circus, the New York, New York, the Harris, those shot through the roof. So, <laughs> cause it's not the corporate sponsors coming, it's the fans coming. And yeah, it, it was like the fan Super Bowl, And I, I mean, it was probably, uh, they were in heaven through those, uh, three days here. Is you're tracking it, watching it, blogging it, live blogging it, what, what would have you thinking about what you're going to say with, with Maze and, and Dane later, like Anything surprise you, shock you? Did what didn't you like about how the draft unfolded early on, first round, second round? What stood out to you? Um, I I was the quarterbacks like dropping. You know, I I kind of deep down kind of feared that might happen. It was really I was squinting. Uh, the only one I even had a borderline first round grade on, round grade on was Desmond Ritter, and all the rest of the guys I had as third round grades or borderline second third round grades. So I actually made me feel a little better. Because I was like, that's how I felt about him. And I'm starting to hear Malik Willis is going number two. He's going number nine. We might have five quarterbacks in the first round. And I was just sitting there like, am I going crazy? Like, am I, like, am I, am I, I know I'm a little, like, I know that you, like, there's some inflation on these quarterbacks, but this is getting a little crazy. But that was kind of, that was interesting. I thought there might be a little more action in the top 10 um, as far as like a trade up. I thought someone would get really, crazy for one of these receivers because uh, everybody had him kind of slotted about the same, but it was more of the eye of the beholder. So I thought that was, I thought the first top 10 would be a little less, I would say chalk, 
a little more like, ooh, maybe there's a big move up. But then once we got into the teens, there was a little bit more action. But I kind of, this draft was a weird draft. You know, it's it, it, there wasn't a lot of blue chip talent. And there's a lot of guys that a lot of people had in the same tier, but then how you ranked them was different. And so we saw that kind of unfold with some of the positions, especially quarterback and receiver. So I don't know. I don't know if that's a good answer, but it was kind of like, it was a weirdly chalk chalk draft in a draft that I thought would fireworks would happen well, well, and good or bad. I got a follow up for you then. And yeah. I, I think I know what your answer is going to be. How would Justin Fields compare to the guys that were drafted this year? And then maybe project them a little bit to the guys that I know you've watched mm-hmm. for, for, for next year. Like what are the bears still have in Justin Fields, even yeah. though it's a different regime. And yeah. also where would he have gone in this draft? Oh, one, one yeah. <laughs> or, or not or whoever moved up to one. So maybe one, two, if it was yeah. the Lions. Um, Fields, I, I still stand by this. I obviously have been on the show and have touted my, my like and love for Justin Fields. I still had considered him closer to Trevor Lawrence than any of the other guys in the last class. And I still stand by that. Um, and comparing to this class, like Ritter was my QB one. He would have been QB five in last year. Um, in between Zach Wilson and Mac Jones for me. Uh, I think he had a little bit more creation than Mac Jones, but Fields would have easily stood on top because I think he's a full tier better. Um, looking at grading in, in general, you kind of go a top 10 grade, a lottery pick grade, which is one through 20, and then you know borderline first, second round. That's kind of how you tier the first rounders. And you'll hear a lot of teams go, oh, there's only 12 to 16 first round grades. Justin Fields to me is a true QB first round grade. And so there's none of that in this class to me. All the other guys were guys you had to squint to maybe see in that. So I think Fields was easily a uh, tier better than last or this year's class. And then for next year's class, because I uh, have an article coming out on the 2023 quarterbacks, and anyone watching the video right now, that's why there's rings under my eyes, not just because of the Kentucky Derby, <laughs> but writing up on Tyler Van Dyke Come and on. all these guys. <laughs> maybe a little, maybe a little calm A, a little calm B, um, but. Watching this class, I would say Fields. I, I like Fields a little bit better than Stroud. Uh, Stroud is my QB one. I, uh, just looking at this first glance, these guys can go up through the roof or drop off a cliff. You know, they have a whole nother year to develop, so we don't know. But at this point in time, I still think Fields is a uh, you know about half tier pros- better prospect than the guys coming out this this next year. I think Stroud has some of the same issues that we said about Fields, where he bounces too long in the pocket, waiting for stuff to develop uh, down the field, but Having said that, he's a little bit smaller, doesn't have the same arm strength, and Fields is a little better athlete than him. And so he's a bigger athlete, bigger arm, and does it a little better. Stroud still can improve. He has a whole nother year, so who knows? Bryce Young is a buck ninety. And in my article, the last quarterback taken under two hundred pounds in the first round was Jim McMahon. So oh. that was the last one, nineteen eighty two, I believe it was. The last one taken in the first three rounds was Pat White in nineteen uh, or I'm sorry, two thousand nine during the Wildcat days with the Dolphins. So he would be an outlier. He and but he's very fun. He does a lot of things well. So, but he would have a team would have to swallow a big pill or really uh, pun no pun intended. I guess he's small, but <laughs> small swallow a pill to like really you know squint and get him and take him. But he's a really really fun player. And there's some other intriguing ones like Will Levis from Kentucky and a couple other guys as well. So before we get to some of the players the Bears drafted, I want to ask you then, what do you think the Steelers saw in Kenny Pickett? That maybe you didn't see looking at them, and because they're obviously in a very unique position yeah. with being in Pittsburgh with like basically the same facilities, yeah. for them to go ahead and take them in the first round, and then 
how do you see that playing out with our old friend Mitch Trubisky this year? <laughs> yeah, um, Pickett is accurate and he can create, and those are two things that will help him give him a chance because he. When we think of guys creating, we think of guys scrambling to run and, and get yards with their legs, which Pickett can do. He's a good athlete, but he creates to throw. He likes to bail out of the pocket to throw and attack down the field, which is useful uh, at the next level. When I was disappointed in Pickett, this is why I was lower on him than others. And people have said that he's the most pro-ready quarterback because he played Mark Whipple's system, was he was one and done on a lot of reads. He would go one, and then he'd go into scramble mode. And I was, so I didn't see him. I heard some Joe Burrow comparisons and I just didn't see that at all. Cause Burrow is freaking a machine going one to two to three. And then he creates pick. It didn't really have that to me, but he's accurate and he's big. And he, I think a lot of his teammates like him. He would scramble for a first down. You could see all his teammates going nuts for him, which is always what you want to see with quarterbacks. I know it's the whole draft day joke about no one coming to your birthday party and all that, but it's, there is some truth to it. Um, but Pickett has that to him, and he's accurate. I, I've kind of made this joke. I can't believe it was Tyler Haneke from Washington. He's a little better version of that, where it's like, okay, wow, look, at, okay, he's making a play for us. He can pinpoint all the three levels. And I would say his arm strength was above average to good. Um, so that's what he he brings to the table. He's a little bit more accurate than Trubisky ever was. He can actually throw to his left. Um, and, hey now. <laughs> and, uh, but Trubisky is a little better athlete, but they have kind of similar builds. Um, but they kind of have that same kind of creation ability where Trubisky would try and maybe scramble down the field while Pickle would try and look for something to throw when he's starting to scramble. No, don't care. Ooh, I like that. Well, sound bite. Sound bite. Well, that was just Mitch. Mitch's response. To he's your, ready. Yeah. If you, know, if you listen to the reports comment. out there, he, he doesn't mind that Kenny Pickett's there. Love it. And Kenny Pickett's ever growing hands. Um <laughs> He's double jointed. Yes, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that was an excuse. Yeah. I double my thumb's right? double jointed. My thumb's double jointed too, but <laughs> mine were nine and a quarter somehow. So I don't yeah. know what his excuse was. Yeah. <laughs> the the inner quarterback in you, when you look at Kyler Gordon and Jaquan yeah. Brisker, what gives you what 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 makes what makes you fear them a little bit? Like what do the Bears have? That quarterbacks won't like about them. Yeah, I one they're tough, which is what which I like. But I also like with them is especially Brisker, is he reads the quarterback's eyes so well it gets him in trouble. Actually, you Wisconsin we know about, guys, Wisconsin know that game. Well. Yeah, so yeah, I was gonna say that was my first introduction to him. So he was in the back of my mind the whole time watch uh, when evaluating him. But that's what he is. He's a very uh, I wouldn't say aggressive, but he can be aggressive. But he reads the game very well. He's got good size. He does a lot of things well. Um, he might not be the freakiest guy, but he's useful and he can play in the slot. He can play in the post pressure. He can cover and those guys and what these defenses are becoming in the NFL where nickels are becoming more safety body types because receivers are becoming bigger in the slot. Their power slots, the term I use, but they're becoming more big and physical not the shifty Cole Beasley types. So now was, as you're getting safeties that can play in that, that position, it's huge. And the fact that he can do it, he can play close to the line of scrimmage. I would say he's above average as a, as a cover guy. He's not, I would say, a crazy, crazy cover guy. He wins because he reads the game so well, as opposed to like really twitchiness. But I really like Brisker. I really do. I know there's some disappointment about, including for me, about the offensive pieces that the Bears put around the Bear or put around Justin Fields. But the fact was, these two DBs they took in the second round, I really like because same with Kyler Gordon. I would prefer Kyler Gordon in the second than his teammate McDuffie in the first. Um, I, I really mean that. I, I think Gordon has a little more growth to his game. He can also play in the slot, which is huge. 
he re- he's more a little more physical. He's got a little better size to him. And I think his game is still developing. And what they asked him to do as a corner at Washington, he actually had to read the game really well. It's going to translate really well to what the Bears want to do on defense. So I actually really like those two players because they might not have that kind of crazy, crazy upside uh, as maybe some of those guys that went in the first round. But I really do think they're good, good football players that really can like are going to bait some quarterbacks over the years. Yeah, well, you said Brisker was in the back of your head. It's just too bad he wasn't in Graham Mertz's head. You know, before <laughs> on he the threw same, the ball on the same play too. They yeah. repeated the play call, and Brisker was like, "Hey, that looks familiar." And it was like, <laughs> and and it was because the first one, I think he almost broke up, and so they repeated the play call, and it was because I, I could tell. I have no idea, but I could tell Coach Chris wanted to hit the backside on it, and it's like Mertz was like, "Nope, I'm throwing the same ball." <laughs> Yeah. And they should have. Oh my God! I don't want to get into this, but they should have scored earlier. Remember, I think they had a fumble or something, right? The oh, boss stand up. There was like four turnovers in the red zone. Oh in that my game. God! That yeah. game was brutal. That game was All brutal. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the one weapon they did get: Justin Fields and Valus Jones Jr., who started his career at USC and then ends up at Tennessee. Obviously, is a very good uh, uh, returner. But I think it's interesting how much the Bears have already kind of talked him up as a piece that they feel like they can work into the offense relatively yeah. quickly. Yeah, I, I saw him as more of a day three guy. I think a lot of us did, uh, us being me and draft Twitter. Uh, but <laughs> but that's my scouting department now. <laughs> it's, uh, but no, with, with Valus Jones, is he, yeah, he's a gadget guy, and that's how I described him. There is some intriguing parts about him. Uh, there's a kind of a working theory of mine to draft some of these Tennessee guys because their program was such – crap for the last few years that you kind of you know you get a little the trey smith theory get a little uptick once they once they enter the pros you know and so that's that has that working for him having said that he also spent time at usc where he was the exact same player and then what's nice is he can create the uh, or uh, uh, he can create with the ball in his hands which is always helpful but he's very raw as a route runner and he's in his mid-20s already uh he he i think he's already off his parents health care because that, that's how old he is. But also, it's just so he has that ability. He has some twitch to him. But to me, it's adding another number number three, number four type to a team that already has tons of number three, number four types. Um, I don't. I wanted more of a vertical guy, a ball winner type, an Al Pierce type of guy. Yeah. Um, the second round, I wanted those guys. You know, I wanted those guys that can go up and get balls vertically down the field for Justin Fields and just attack, attack, attack. While this guy seemed more like a guy that would have fit what they used to do in the Bears offense, you know, RPOs, underneath stuff, quick slants, let him go, bubbles, let him go, you know, screens, let him go. Um, so I don't know. He, he was an interesting fit to me. I think it was a little rich for my blood, but he at least isn't like worthless, <laughs> which is what you hopefully want to hear because he has some stuff that you can create, but doesn't have a lot of receiver, true receiver to him. I don't I don't want to call it like a, a, a trend, but when you get Ryan Poles. Comparing him, he doesn't want to say he's comparing him, but he mentions Debo Samuel. And obviously, you can start making the connections, you know, Luke Getze to the Shanahan offense, and maybe they'll run some of the similar things. And But Debo's quite special yes, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, better. Yeah, better. Uh, yeah, better. <laughs> just but a very, like very good Finding player. guys who could, like, just finding gadget guys, you know, to stress out defenses in different ways. Yeah. Is it a trend? I, like, you see. I've, it's thrown around a lot. I'm just curious. Your thoughts. It's always a trend. Yeah. It's always going to be the exciting different player, quote unquote, different players going to be the new trend. I, I know when Brandon Cooks get into the NFL, we talked about how jet sweeps are going to take over the NFL, which I mean, 
is still sprinkled in there, but it kind of feels the same, doesn't it? Um, this is kind of if Valus Jones, Valus Jones is a Valus or Velus? I, I I've been calling it's Velus. actually Valus. Yes. It's Valus. Okay, so what Valus is. I think these teams, they're not, they didn't have a ton of weapons. Uh, USC, they had some weapons, and then Tennessee, they didn't the last two years. He only had four rushing attempts <laughs> in the la- in his two years at Tennessee. Those coach, we we knock coaches a lot, but some of them will just stumble their way into find getting use out of these guys. They're like, hey, this guy's a great player. Let's find a way to get the ball in his hands. Like a uh, a guy that went in the fifth round, Khalil Shakir was getting handoffs. Um, you know, they will find guy find ways to get the ball in their hands a lot of his stuff was more like ah some screens and some underneath stuff so that's where it's like yeah okay maybe you know maybe at the next level we we could dial it in but i don't know i don't know i don't i think the college coaches would have done it if he if he could have done it um at that level and also the other thing is debo samuel was 220 pounds you know vales jones is 200 and those hits add up if especially if you're not just doing jet sweeps on the outside and you're trying to do something in in between the tackles, that's what Debo is doing so differently is that he's running legit handoff plays, counter power, doing all those plays in between the tackles. And he's built like a running back. So that helps. But at 200 pounds, it's like, man, you do more than one of those. I'm scared, <laughs> scared. He'll just, you know, something's going to pop not in a good way. Well, Nate, I want to ask you this question because it's debated endlessly uh, here in Chicago since the coaching change and the players who've, been let go and like Allen Robinson signing him at the Rams and you mentioned earlier about how you know you would have liked to see more weapons for Justin Fields but knowing what you know about offenses and we're all sort of sitting here guessing what Luke Getzey is going to do right mm-hmm. but can the offense still be better than what it was without an abundance of weapons and with with a lot of question marks on the offensive line. Another way of asking this question is, can Justin Fields still take that step forward just if the offense is like more competent and functional? No, that's a great question. I do. I, I really do think that. I think what I think there's been some misconception misconceptions about what the Packers run on offense. Um, because LaFleur has some Shanahan background and, and McFay background. They don't run a ton of outside zone. They do. They sprinkle some outside zone in. It's an at-you run game. They run a ton of duo, you know, which is basically power without the polar. Really in, in that stuff. They like to have their receivers come in and block. Like it's a very at-you and then play action off of that. And then, of course, with the, some dropback stuff, they, it's kind of a greatest hits offense. But the run game isn't really Shanahan run game. It's more of a just uh, this is what we are run game. And actually, that's what I want to see. That's what really Ohio State's run game was with Justin Fields. And so I actually think kind of a less is more thing. I, that was always my criticism with under Nagy was that it just seems like he threw a bunch of stuff at the wall and was just like, ah, hopefully some of it works. And every week it would look different about what they were running and he was running too much quick game. And I think by taking some of that out and doing stuff that feels is better at, which is, you know, under center, run the little, uh, run the play action stuff that's down the field that he can go touchdown to check down. I think that's where fields really excels. And that's what Rogers does really or what they've done with Rodgers in the last few years once LaFleur has gotten there is they kind of like helped him out and made the reads kind of easier or or where he can really find some quicker throws other than some you know stuff in the red zone to Devontae Adams and stuff but really more of a vertically based three pointers and then layups you know underneath stuff touchdown to check down so I do think that's where I'm more optimistic about what this offense will look like because it that will help fields out a little bit and really just just O-line 
teaching will help as well. <laughs> I think maybe just honing in and getting competency at center where actually, you know, where stuff is going in the right direction, that'll help as well and taking some load off the of fields as well. How about coming in and just knowing you're the guy? That yeah. Andy Dalton's not there. Nick Foles is there to take random snaps away from you, throwing a bunch of... <laughs> <laughs> and we can play that sound, but again, but again, wasting all our time in, in training camp. Like, yeah. what are we doing here? Um, just knowing that this offense is being what a wasted time you. training camp was, guys. That's what it was. But just <laughs> going back to it, just you, you know what I mean? It, it was a waste of time. Yeah, you play quarterback, Nate. Like, yeah. just knowing you're the guy, like, in this offense is being built for me. I, I'm here to work with the ones, you know, even yeah. though there's questions about who they are, but these are my guys. What does that do for him? Like, put yourself in Fields' shoes for a minute. Like, what does that do for him confidence-wise? Huge. Because you're never you're, you're not checking over your shoulder now. And now you can take more risks because you know if that risk doesn't work out, especially if you're attacking vertically, you're not going to get the hook right away. It, it's it, it helps so much. Even in my time at Wisconsin, I barely played. But the last year, Coach Chris under – I knew what my role was. And Coach Chris said, hey, you're the backup. Here's your, here's your five reps in each period, da 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 it helped me because all of a sudden I was like, okay, this is my, this is his expect expectations for me. And this is what, what I have to do now. I don't have to worry about losing my spot. And now as a starter in the NFL, when you're the guy, yeah, it helps build confidence, especially because now you can take risks. Now you can really build on your last stuff. It really helps watching film when it's your reps. And I'm sure when feels they're watching those game reps and he's watching Dalton, he's like, well, I wouldn't have done that. Like, yeah, that's a coaching point for Andy, but you know, me, Justin Fields, I would have scrambled there. I would have hit the, the the long ball. I wouldn't have checked it down there. You know, so getting reps where it's him watching himself helps so much. I remember when Scott Tolzien became the starter. That was the joke he said at Wisconsin was, they go, uh, how much better is it watching film? And he goes, well, it's a lot better when it's, I, I get to watch 20 reps of myself instead of two reps of myself, because now it's him and how it translates, him making those throws, him making those mistakes, him making those good throws. Um, so I think that's, it just helps. It really, really does. Especially when everybody's in lockstep about what you are. Now it's not, there's no divide in the locker room where people are going, well, you know, Andy's a little better or Nick's a little better. Now it's like, no, Justin's our guy. So let's, let's roll with them. Well, and to that point, granted, it was just one random voluntary mini camp in the month of April, but like fields got all the reps. Right. I don't. I don't mean that literally. Like I think there was a couple here and there that yeah. you know went went to the two other quarterbacks on the roster, including Trevor. Those Stadium. are the those were my reps in college. Those are- <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, like I don't remember them. It was like it was yeah. like the Justin Fields show out there, and I have yeah. a feeling like that's the rest of this offseason and into training camp. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a little bit more reps in training camp when you have more time and yeah. a little, you know a little bit more going on. But um, that is something that I we've already seen. There's 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 no wasting of uh, of time anymore, Johnsy. So you can feel better about that. I guess I'll <laughs> attend it. <laughs> no, those, live, those live bullets matter though, because now it's it's just tang it's just tangible. It really is, because now it's not theory. It's not walkthrough reps where they're like, oh, we gave them reps, but five of them are walkthrough, you know, against or routes on air or anything like that. It's just, the ability to make a mistake and come back and learn from it is huge as opposed to making a mistake and they just go, you're out next guy in like yeah, that. Yeah. It, it helps. It, it, helps it, it so always much. bothered me that even when fields started to outperform those guys in some practices where he looked like the better quarterback, there's never like a reward for it. Yep. Never was. It was same plan as always. And then there they are in Cleveland and 
this is our game plan for you. Anyway, wrong topic. Back to the draft. Well, that that tape should just be banned from ever like oh my god being put on TVs anywhere. That that Browns game. Oh my god, that was one of the that was brutal. That was that was almost honestly like I remember. I think it was even worse. Actually, we did the live show after because like even like Robert said, he goes, "It's like you know, it's like you know, you're excited, but it's like dread." As you like, yeah. no, it's like this could go really bad, and it's like even if you had low expectations, it went even worse. And it grew, it grew could... in the game. Like, yes. oh no, I'll oh, never no. forget Dan Orlovsky fired Matt Nagy at halftime on Twitter, and I think, like even in the moment, you're like, okay, settle down. Like yeah. it's week three. Like, uh, but then like, no, that was that was a that game was a fireable offense right there. Like that, that's what it was. The whole Pain- plan, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yes, from the start exactly. Um, so at least we don't have to relive that. Hey Nate, we uh, we really appreciate it, man. Uh, great stuff. It's awesome now having you on the Athletic full time, and uh, our listeners that have enjoyed you on this podcast can now read all your stuff there. So I I hope they're checking it out at theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Thanks, man. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thanks, Nate. All right. Well, circling back to what we were talking about in between Bruce and Nate, Nate didn't seem to like Valus Jones as much. It's okay. It's the draft, though, right? 14th receiver taken. I, I, I like this nugget, though. Like, in terms of receivers taken on day three, if you look at the past five years, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but there are 11 receivers taken on day three of the draft. That is considerably lower than the past five drafts. So maybe... oh. So there were only 11 taken on Saturday. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I know he was a day two guy, yeah. but if, if you get my point, just in terms of taking swings at receivers, adding depth at receiver, obviously guys like Valus Jones Jr. had to move up boards if you wanted them. Yeah. Interesting. Well, the Bears definitely like him. So he's in based on what the depth chart looks like. He he's starting. Be, yeah. He better be. A key <laughs> he's he's going to play. <laughs> We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out if uh, that makes any sense or if it's worth it. But uh, oh, the Bears and their wide receivers. Uh, fun episode today. I really enjoyed having those guys on. And uh, you know, Nate's a, a friend of the program, and hopefully Bruce is now too. So I uh, hope you guys all enjoyed that. Please follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue at Adam Johns. And let's see, we got the schedule coming out in a couple of days. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have an episode for you Friday morning in the aftermath of the Bears schedule coming out. It'll be a Friday episode uh, this week as we break down and predict the whole season completely 100% accurately in May. Guaranteed. 14-2. Four, and two. What would be that? 14-3? and 15-2? Yes. Good, good, good math there, John Fox. <laughs> I was a math major. I wasn't, actually, but... I'm excited for it. I like the schedule. Spend my whole day on Marriott.com. It's true. It's true. Every little leak that happens. Forget tweeting it. Oh, Marriott. Yep. Who needs to tweet that? Make sure we get that. As soon as that Packer game comes out. Okay. Oh, can I, I got to get that right. Can I get a hotel within 200 miles of Green Bay? And if you're listening to this podcast, new friend of the show, whatever, that is the advice we have for you. Yeah. But just don't take our rooms, please. It's true go to Holiday Inns or something else. <laughs> Hilton, I hear the, they're great. Do it. Yes. Do it. The Marriott's? Uh, you don't want You want to stay away from the Marriott's. Yeah, they're awful. They're, you don't want Just stay away from the Marriott <laughs> properties, please. please. 
Uh, all right. Thank you for being here today. We appreciate it. Uh, Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johnson, where you go to subscribe. And allchgo.com and Hilton.com for all your booking needs during the schedule. Uh, we will talk to you guys later this week. See ya. Hey, what's up, Flues?